Kneel before Zod! You can't go! All the plants are gonna die! I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil! Don't touch it! The name's Pliskin. No! Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing The Pit, released October 23rd, 1981. It was written by Ian A. Stewart, directed by Lou Lehman, and released by New World Pictures. Significant changes were made to Ian A. Stewart's screenplay, which we'll discuss at the end. The film's novelization, which uses the film's working title Teddy, sticks closer to Stewart's draft, but is credited to author John Galt, which I have to assume is a pen name reference to Atlas Shrugged, well, because say, yeah. I couldn't find anything yeah. else about John Galt other than that John Galt. Well, of course. The film was shot in Beaverdam, Wisconsin, and employed 50 locals in the production. That makes sense. The first pass on the close-up photography of the film's central monsters, the Tralalogs, was deemed too unrealistic, so they were redesigned and reshot on a Toronto soundstage. So now they're super realistic. <laughs> so this is wait. I'm this just, is not what tralalogs look like. Hold on, I just I just want to make sure this is clear. What we saw was the the realistic pass. Yeah. version. Yeah. Okay, I really want to see the original version. So do I. Um, I mean, they don't even seem to be very consistent over the course of the film. Sometimes they have like big dog snouts sometimes they look like they have beaks that are mm -hmm. like curved faces yeah well maybe that's a mix of what they were previously the old stuff and, and the, the new, new stuff one, yeah. that's possible yeah there's also a species called trologs which are bulldog looking aliens from the show thundercats that are unrelated to this film entirely trologs so we have trogs trolologs Tro wait, that's not the order I would have done. Trologs, trologs. <laughs> I, I don't know. Trogs, trologs, trologs. Okay. And then you have tra-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-logs, <laughs> which is a weird Russian TV show. Was that a sh Russian show? I assume it was Russian. I don't or know. Or Turkish? No. I have I, no idea. I only know the Christoph Waltz version. <laughs> okay, perfect. We start at a costume party at night. A pirate and a ballerina enter together, and a young boy in a ghost costume with eye holes approaches them. He addresses the pirate as Freddy Phelps. We cut to a schoolyard in the daytime, and the ghost kid, Jamie, is asking to join Freddy's club and getting an instant rejection. I'm Jamie. I was wondering if I could join your club and... <laughs> Jamie's nose starts gushing blood, and the ballerina girl thinks it's hilarious. We cut back to the nighttime party, and Jamie, in disguise, invites Freddy and his girlfriend, Christina, to come see a surprise in the woods. Christina gets spooked along the way, but Jamie tells them that a robber dropped a bag of jewels out here, and it's too heavy for him to lift, so they can have it for their club if he lets him join. Freddy sees a sack on the outer lip of a pit, and while he inspects its contents, Jamie shoves him into a hole, and lightning crashes as the words, The Pit, fill the screen. So I was very unclear at this point what's happening. Yeah. But we'll come to find out that this is a flashback and that there was a flashback within the flashback. No, this is a flash forward. Oh, this is a flash forward. That's right. Because this is this happens very late in the story, but we're getting it here because I guess they decided after they cut the film together that they needed four more minutes of footage and that they wanted to establish the pit earlier. So. Can can you really describe it as a flash forward, though, if we have yet to see anything else happen prior to this moment? Because so the whole rest of the so movie is a flashback. Everything yeah. between now and when this happens again is a flashback. It's, it's an hour and 20 minute flashback. Okay, yeah. that's fair. We also see flashes of a teddy bear and we cut to a school bus driving down a country road. Do you guys remember the last time we started a horror movie with a school bus driving down a country road? Uh, the children? That's right. Inside a classroom, we see Jamie writing, I will not bring adult books to class, Bart Simpson style, over and over on the chalkboard. The teacher thumbs through the book he brought in, Creative Nude Photography, and notes that some of the photographs have been cut out. He tells her that it was like that when he borrowed it. 
She excuses him to go home, and we follow him for a bit as we cut to the Williams Free Library. The teacher, Miss Lind, is here to return the book and apologizes about the missing photograph. The librarian takes the book back to her office and opens it to the mangled page. She pulls out an anonymous note she received, and it has the same photo. So he cut this picture out and photocopied it on a copier, but he put her head on the naked yeah. body. Jamie watches from outside the librarian's window until a groundskeeper catches him and tells him to get out of here. We cut to Jamie's mother, Mrs. Benjamin, conducting an interview with Sandy O'Reilly, a prospective babysitter for her son. The actress playing Sandy looks exactly like Ali Machalka to me. Did you see that? Uh, I did not. Okay. But uh, is she really a babysitter or is this like... She's like a house sitter, but she's there yeah. to keep track of him at night, I guess. But I also thought that this was some sort of like credit for her school, like working with a child with who might have special needs. I mean, I think that's just a, a way of her selling herself for the job. That okay. She's like, oh, I, I have this degree and I'm studying this thing, so I might be a good fit. Yeah, that's how I took it. Mrs. Benjamin discusses some of the difficulties she's had with her son, and we see the playground bloody nose punch again for some reason. This is one of three times now we'll see this punch in the face in the film. Jamie finds a bike on the sidewalk, and the owner, a young girl named... Abergail. <laughs> Abergail. <laughs> Not Abigail. Abergail. That sounds like something you dig out of a whale. I don't think this is a real person's name. She yanks her bike away and says that she'll tell on him if he tries to take it again, and that he's a silly person. Suddenly, one old lady is pushing another in a wheelchair, and they shout at Jamie to get out of their way. We cut back to Sandy's interview when Dad walks in. Dad confesses that Jamie is a total nut job, and as he describes his son's distracted and sociopathic nature, we get inserts of a frog in a terrarium and Jamie staring at it. Dad mentions that an elderly neighbor reported him swinging around in the nearby trees playing Tarzan totally nude. Jamie dumps an insect into the terrarium, and then he's called to dinner. Jamie holds his glass in front of his face and stares at the distorted image of his parents and babysitter while they all eat dinner. For 1981, he's probably too old to need a babysitter, especially if they already seem to trust him to wander around the neighborhood on his own all day. We also get uncomfortably close inserts of everybody chewing on their food. Jamie tosses his napkin on the floor for a chance to retrieve it and look up his new babysitter skirt, and while he's down there, she intentionally repositions herself to point her legs at him. Dad realizes what he's up to. None of that, young man! The next day, Jamie's parents leave town. Do you guys recall the last time we saw a child left in the care of a babysitter he wanted to have sex with? Private lessons? That's right! <laughs> oh, yeah. In the kitchen later, Jamie asks Sandy if she has a boyfriend, and he's disappointed to learn that she does. He starts to tell her about how he got in trouble for bringing porn to school, but realizes mid-sentence that this is a weird first impression story. I had to write something on the board a hundred times. Oh, yeah? What was it? Not to... Not to crack my knuckles in class. Sandy notices Jamie checking out her boobs and suddenly backtracks on admitting she has a boyfriend. Well, he isn't really what you'd call a boyfriend, Jamie. He's just a friend. Sandy advises Jamie to go outside and play, but accidentally drops a knife on the kitchen floor. Jamie offers to collect it for her, but it lands right at her feet, so she grabs it herself and he's enraged. I said I'd get it. That's very nice of you, Jamie, but... Well, women nowadays can do things for themselves. It reminded me of Danny Trejo's bartender character in Anchorman. Ladies can do stuff now. And you're going to have to learn how to deal with that. What? Were you saying something? Look, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Jamie says he's going to hang out with Teddy, but hesitates to admit that Teddy is a teddy bear. He tells Teddy that the new babysitter is super hot and that things aren't serious with her boyfriend. Now, the bear answers him in his own voice with some added reverb. Well, then. She's, She's just, just what we've been, been waiting, waiting for, isn't she? Yeah, maybe she is. We cut to the home of Jamie's neighbor, Margaret, the school librarian, who is doing yoga with her niece, Abergail. <laughs> Abergail. Abergail asks if Jamie's crazy, and Aunt Margaret says no, but he's not normal. 
Jamie asks for a bedtime story, but Sandy doesn't go for it. Teddy suggests waiting a moment for Sandy to change into her pajamas before requesting a glass of water. He tries to ask her another question on her way out the door, but the phone rings, so she leaves to answer. It's her boyfriend-slash-not-boyfriend, Alan. This baby isn't a baby. Instead of sitting him, I've got to watch out and not sleeping him. Well, the body appears to be 12, but the inside of the head... <laughs> she asks him how he's doing, and he mentions that his roommate somehow lost a typewriter, which plays into nothing moving forward. <laughs> how did you lose a typewriter, though? Alan invites her to a football game and offers to pick her and Jamie up together. Jamie creeps back into his room and tells his teddy bear Teddy that he thinks he should tell Sandy about the things in the pit, and Teddy advises caution. We hard cut to a nipple, and when the camera pulls wide, we see one of Sandy's breasts has either slipped out or been covertly unveiled by Jamie, who's standing here watching her sleep. Apparently, the director's wife strictly forbid him from shooting any nude scenes, but he found a loophole later in the script. This particular scene was shot by the screenwriter, who was invited to direct all the other nude scenes. <laughs> the, the, the loophole is that he didn't shoot it? No, he shoots one later. Okay. For a different reason. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read that yeah. little bit of uh, trivia there. Sandy wakes with a startle, and Jamie is the king of shit excuses. Jamie, what are you doing in here? I was just watching you sleep. Oh, good. I was worried it was something gross like you watching me sleep. He informs her that after he cooks her breakfast, he has a secret to share. He tells Sandy he learned how to cook from his mother and from the many babysitters before her. As she digs into breakfast, Jamie tells her about the pit and the monsters inside. She assumes the boy is either fabricating the story or disturbed in some way. I think the trolls are troll logs. Do they talk to you, Jamie? It isn't funny, you know. I know, I'm sorry. He also tells her he thinks one of them died, but we don't really come back to that point, unless he just means the Trollolog Society is on the brink of starvation. <clears throat> he runs off, presumably to lead her there, but it becomes clear after a minute that she isn't following him. He just ran off to the hole on his own. He peeks down and speaks directly to the creatures. Do you remember me? It's me, Jamie. I'm the one with the terrarium at home? Have they been to your house before? Yeah. Or did you just mention the terrarium to them? I think he just talks to them. They're yeah. like friends. Well, at first I thought... That some... Teddy is one of those Yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought. Well, okay. Just so... wearing his teddy bear as a costume. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I guess we get more of scale of these things later. So that becomes evident that that's not the case. Presumably. I don't know. They're pretty small. Well, okay. So then the question, the question that I still have... Even having seen the entire movie is is why what did you is make me watch this? What is happening with Teddy though? Like, is that is that real or is that in his head? Well, I mean, it will move on its yeah, own. Yeah, there's that's the only indication that we get that it's not in his head. But does it? It moves on its own when there's no one else in the room with it except for us. Correct, but also never in front of any other person so Correct. like in theory we could still be in the mind of uh what's his name jamie of jamie but he's not in the room when it turns its head and so it, why are we seeing it turn its head because and he it, just thinks about we'll it come back to this i don't i don't think it ever moves with him in the room no that's the only move <laughs> it does in the whole film all right i don't know i don't know this movie is so weird in so many ways we see one of the creatures wake up in the pit and look up at him. The Trilolog Liberty? <laughs> <laughs> we get the Trilolog's POV with a yellow tint on it. Jamie tells the Trilologs about the pretty girl that he told about them, and we cut right to Alan's football game. Sandy is excited to see his team do well, but Jamie is just annoyed to be here. Alan gives them a ride home, and Jamie watches them make out in the car from his porch. That night... Sandy hears Jamie crying in his room and knocks on the door when an echoey voice, a lot like Teddy's, answers her. Go away. Sandy goes to the school librarian, Marge Livingston, who assumes that she's here for a book on problem children when she learns that she's Jamie's babysitter. She tries to warn her about Jamie, and we cut away to Jamie approaching his neighbor, Abergale. 
to ask to ride her bike again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right when you took a sip. And this time, she is quick to offer him a turn. Before he can get anywhere, the bike collapses into pieces under him, and Abigail breaks into laughter. Her aunt, Librarian Marge, comes outside to see about the commotion and reprimands Abigail for her cruel prank. Wait, so, was she just sitting here with her bike in pieces, just waiting for he him to come, come over? Yeah, like, I guess. What was she doing here? Was she's it been all... here for two hours holding the bike yeah, in it's, place. Yeah, it's, it's disassembled to the point where, like, it's in multiple pieces as soon as it gets on. So there's there's no bolts in there. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Very weird. In his house, Sandy is making Jamie's bed when she finds a porno mag under his mattress. This type of magazine. And you? Does that make sense? She says, to the room. (laughs) (laughs) This feels like you wrote this sentence in your script, and then you ran it back and forth through like six different languages on Google Translate (laughs) on the way to what ended up in the script. It feels more like a, a note on the script that yeah. someone accidentally read. Yeah, someone's like, I don't know why this part is written in the margins in a red pen. <laughs> it's like the disappointed. <laughs> disappointed! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what parentheticals are. She says goodbye to Teddy on her way out of the room, and after the door closes, Teddy turns his head to face the camera. It's the only motion we'll see from this teddy bear for the Yeah, so if, if anything, Sandy is the one who's imagining yeah. the bear being But alive. she wasn't in the room either when it happened. Okay. So, like, I mean, I, I guess nobody else has technically seen the trilogues, but spoiler alert, other people do eventually see them. So yes. they are, in fact, yep. real. Mm-hmm. But we have no indication that what's happening to Teddy with Teddy is real. Correct. Because it only ever is with Jamie. It's just the story of a, a schizophrenic boy who thinks that his teddy bear is alive. He also happens to live in a town with real trilogues in a hole. Yeah, that's the, that's, I, I just. It's I, two leaps they're asking us mm-hmm. to make. That's the problem is like, I'm like, is there supernatural things in this universe where there's also prehistoric uh, I think it would have been easier creatures. if he was imagining everything or if it specifically was one of the trilogues in his teddy bear. Yeah, either of those yeah. would have worked. Yeah. It's also possible that this teddy bear turned its head because some teddy bears turn their heads. I don't know. It could be a battery-powered teddy bear that yeah. turns its head. Can they also tell you creepy things? Uh, yeah, t- yeah, Furbies. Have you ever heard of Furbies? Teddy, teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I put, I His put dad the... put the tape in it and <laughs> was like, kill your babysitter, son. And then he left town. <laughs> Just put a Metallica tape in there and Teddy Ruxpin rocks. Perfect. Sandy asks Jamie why he doesn't have any friends and he points to the animals in his room and teddy bear. Sandy shows Jamie the definition of trog in the dictionary. Troglodytes. From the Greek word meaning cave dweller. Also, and what is this word? Anthropoid ape. A man-like ape. You see? And the trolls are in there too. She tells him trolls also appears in the dictionary to prove that troglodytes can't be real because nothing in the dictionary is real? (laughs) What is your point? You're like, this book has trolls. And trogs. Mm-hmm. I, I, so obviously trogs don't exist. And it's like, yes, they do, first of all. <laughs> we've seen, we've already watched yeah. a movie about it. Trogs are a thing. I think her point was that just because it's in the dictionary doesn't mean it's real. <laughs> what was the point of bringing out the dictionary? It's not like he pointed that, to the dictionary and that's said, that there's trogs in here. Touche. <laughs> yeah, she was the one who's like, look, I'll prove to you they don't exist. It's in a book with other things that don't exist. And a fuck ton of things that do exist. <laughs> He tells her that he's seen them in person, so they can't be myths. She tells him that it's bath time, and he asks her to wash his back. Don't you think you're a little old for that? We'll be all covered up with suds. All right, as long as you stay under those suds. (laughs) It's really weird to hear this babysitter indirectly request that this underage boy doesn't flash his dong at her. (laughs) It's uh, Jasper at the Simpsons. Scrub all you want, but stay above the equator. (laughs) (laughs) During the bath, he confides in her that he's fallen in love with an older woman. Do you mean me, Jamie? Yes. I want you to know I think that's really beautiful. You do? Do you remember the last time that a babysitter spoke so inappropriately while bathing a young boy? (laughs) Private lessons. That's right. 
Jamie asks her what the trollologs eat, and she guesses chocolate bars off the top of her head. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Also, why is lots it take- of creatures love eating chocolate bars? <laughs> what do they look like? Dogs. Feed them chocolate bars. <laughs> the number one thing that you don't feed dogs. <laughs> you know, it's something that they would have harvested in their natural environment. <laughs> yeah, a pit. <laughs> uh, also, why is it taking her so long to wash his back? Did you see his back though? Oh. It's fucked. <laughs> it's fucked. <laughs> Then he asks why his mom washes him so much, and that's the only hint we get in the film that Jamie has been abused by his parents. Sandy seems disturbed enough to stop helping now. It's funny. I don't always think I'm dirty. Do you like washing me? Later, while Sandy is out jogging with a friend, Jamie dumps a bag of candy bars into the pit but they don't eat them. Or I guess they do. It looks like they kind of do. They swarm them. I don't yeah. know if they're eating the candy. Later, the librarian follows Jamie around the stacks and learns from another girl that Jamie just checked out some books on animal husbandry. Jamie traces the table of contents with a finger and lands on a chapter about carnivores. He heads to a local butcher shop to buy something else to appease the trollologs. That's a lot of meat, you know. Well, it is for five people. I love the follow-up line, like, oh, God, he's going to think I meant five tralalas. <laughs> the creatures finally eat the meal this time. So that's what you eat. Back at the house. Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> we, can't, we can't move on from this just yet. What? They've been eating so far, right? Like, yeah. They, he, so this, this premise seems to be that they are stuck in this pit. Right. And that they have been stuck in this pit for, for a very generations, long time. I would think. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so to the point where, yeah, they have generations that have lived here for millions of years. I have no idea how long. Uh, or they just fell in like. What last have they Wednesday. been eating? Grubs. And suddenly they ran out of their ability to eat things, and he has to feed them large quantities of meat. Yep. Or they'll die. Well, I think he just thinks he has to feed them, and inadvertently gives them a taste for red meat. When they were fine just eating worms and shit down here and then he was like oh my god they're gonna die i better feed them like i have to for the animals in my terrarium well mm-hmm. well i assume that it's uh like a a pit trap like like a sarlacc or an antlion you think another creature dug this hole no i think that that uh that they're in there oh, and they, they wait- dug the hole for uh, people to fall into or or animals like a deer or something but like it that it seems like they can't get out until he lets them out yeah well maybe they went too far with it mm. Just keep they, digging. <laughs> Dig our dug, way out of this. <laughs> they dug too greedily and too deep. <laughs> we'll chew our way out of here, Wang. Back at the house, Jamie sneaks into the bathroom while Sandy's in the shower and writes, I love you, on the bathroom mirror. He waits with Teddy in his room for her to find the note, and then she screams. <laughs> she rushes in in a towel to explain that that's not okay, and he asks for a photo of her before she leaves him at the end of her time doing this job. Later, we see Jamie steal money from Sandy's purse to buy more meat. See, see, and that's why I, I thought it was for credit. But I guess, I guess she's only hired while the parents are away. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's not like a full time sitter. Right. Yeah. She was just for this trip that they were mm. taking. He heads right back to the butcher shop, and when Jamie comes racing out of the store, he crashes into Abergail <laughs> and Librarian Marge, and we get my favorite line, not just in this film, but in the history of film. <laughs> I'm going to set aside time to work this line into my everyday conversation moving forward. Well, if it isn't clumsy, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This is my new favorite sentence. This is the cellar door of my vocabulary. (laughs) Well, if it isn't clumsy, stupid. Well, I look forward to this every day. (laughs) If you ever drop something near me for the rest of time, (laughs) be prepared for this line. No matter what you think of that boy, I'd rather didn't talk to other children that way. Jamie feeds the last of the meat to the trollologs while Teddy supervises. How much money do you have left? 62 cents. Well, I'll think of something. Teddy asks Jamie about Miss Livingston, and he seems to know what Teddy's talking about. The phone rings at Livingston's house that night, and a voice, clearly Jamie's voice, claims that he has Abigail hostage, and he will kill the girl if she doesn't strip in front of an open window of the house. The voice is pre-recorded, but somehow he's able to respond to her words. I guess he just assumed what her responses would be and timed them out. Credit card? 
You got it. You got it. (laughs) Outside, Jamie takes Polaroids of the woman as she strips. All right, damn you. You want to see my body? She yanks her top down just as Abigail happens to walk into the room. Aunt Margaret, what are you doing? I was... I was just undressing when... Later, Jamie shares the pictures with Teddy, the teddy bear, who plans to jerk off to Polaroids of a human woman. I'm gonna look at these a lot. The next day, Sandy asks Jamie about the money missing from her purse. Instead of answering, Jamie runs to a nearby gazebo. He refuses to answer her questions more and repeatedly runs away from her. He offers her a handful of flowers by way of an apology. Like, he literally just tears them off a bush and goes, Here, flowers for you. Now it's okay that I took hundreds of dollars and wasted it on meat. Back at the house, Sandy calls her boyfriend, Alan, and asks him to come over to have a word with the boy. Jamie listens in on the conversation, furious. Later, we see him try to steal meat off of a truck outside the butcher shop, but when he gets caught, he runs away again. That's his first move every time. Next, we see him tugging a cow across a field, but not making much progress. He can't keep a grip on any of the nearby chickens either, so he moves on. Jamie meets up again with Abigail, and lures her with a dare into the woods. He says he knows a bike path that girls can't navigate, and if she does, he'll gift her his silver supervisor's whistle. He steals her bike while they're out there, and when she chases him to get it back, he leads her into the pit. My aunt will call the police on you! I don't think so. Not now. Ba-dum-bop! Yeah. <laughs> Every time it's like the sitcom thing. <laughs> Uh, he also, while she's riding her bike, he shoots like a dart or a pebble or something out of like a blowgun at yeah. her to, to knock her off the bike. And I was like, why don't well, you do this more often? This yeah. girl's such a jerk to you. Is that what you were going to say? Well, no, but <laughs> I, I thought it was a strange move. Yeah. Because I, I feel like at the pace that she's going, she would have just ris- ridden her bike into yeah, the Yeah, not pit. even noticed that it happened. Yeah. Next, we see him talking to Mrs. Oliphant the blind old woman in the wheelchair who somehow reported his naked Tarzan games to get his bike taken away. How did she even see him doing that? Well, when you become blind, your other senses become more enhanced. She's like, I can smell that you're not wearing pants. Then he starts rolling her against her will far out into the woods as she screams. Then he dumps her into the pit. I'm sorry about that, Miss Oliphant. But like my father says, we all have to go sometime. <laughs> the music. This it's so weird. Yeah. The tone, it, the tone of this movie just <laughs> wavers back and forth. It's like a like a Danny Elfman kind of march. Yeah. When he's like pushing her through the wilderness. Jamie finally plays a bit of football with Alan. He steals the ball and lures Alan to the pit. There it goes. At home, Jamie is at a loss trying to come up with more victims for the pit, and Teddy thinks of a couple. We go back to the first scene of the film at the nighttime costume party. The whole scene plays out exactly the same way over again, only this time we see what happens to Christina the ballerina afterward. He jumps out at her over and over in the ghost costume until she faints from fright. Before he dumps her in the pit, he starts yanking off her tutu. Guess you won't be needing this anymore. I do. And it seems like the story is going in the worst possible direction, but luckily he stops after the tutu and throws her in. That night, Jamie watches from upstairs as Sandy's new boyfriend drops her off outside again. He asks if her ex ever contacted her, and she says she hasn't heard anything, and neither have any of his friends. How long has this been? It seems like it must have been a while. But, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that this is a Halloween party. Yeah. people are in costume. But it doesn't have to be, but he's dressed as a ghost, so I would think it's a Halloween party. But the guy's been missing for maybe months. Yeah, like how long have his parents, or were his parents, due to be gone? I don't think they were ever planning on coming back. They were just like, you're going to be the new mom. You just think you're going to be a babysitter. It can't be. If this is Halloween, it can't have been that long if it was football season, though. 
The next morning, Sandy asks if Jamie ever saw Alan because they were supposed to play football together at some point. Hasn't he called you? No. Was that supposed to be my fault? She slaps him hard. Jamie, I'm sorry. Jamie talks about all the other people who have recently gone missing. They don't eat chocolate bars. You know what they eat? You know who. She has no idea what he's talking about, but this time she allows him to lead her to the trollo logs. But he has to promise to stop hitting on her. When they get to the pit, Sandy eventually sees the monsters Jamie's been describing and can't believe her eyes. I fully expected them to find nothing but bodies out here in the woods. I didn't think that when he brought her along that there would actually be a pit with creatures in it. Right? <laughs> and, and no bones, apparently. Like, yeah, I guess they're, they're eating just, the bones. They do everything. No, they're trollo logs. I read about them in a book. They're from prehistoric times. Yeah, I read you that book. <laughs> it was called a dictionary. In the original script, the monsters were entirely in Jamie's head. So this is the biggest change that the director made to the story, and the screenwriter was very disappointed with the film's comedic tone and the corroboration of the monsters by anyone besides Jamie. The whole thing was supposed to be in his head. Well, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. Right. I agree. Sandy thinks they should report these creatures to the proper scientific authorities. There are special scientists called paleontologists and anthropologists whose only job no. They'd put them in a cage or lock them in a zoo for sure. He reminds her that she promised to keep his secret, but she admits that she never believed they were real. As she tries to change his mind, she accidentally slips into the pit and hangs from a root for a while while Jamie tries to reach her, but it's no use, and she's quickly swallowed up by the trollologs. I was not expecting her to die so quickly yeah. in the yeah. story. At home, Jamie cries to Teddy about the death of his one true love, and Teddy assures him it was not his fault. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault she died. <laughs> no, Jamie. It's not your fault. She fell. Teddy, you weren't there, were you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of was because I'm in your head. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm real. Sometime later, Jamie is sitting at the dinner table with his parents, who read the report of Sandy's disappearance. Somehow, the authorities have determined that it is unrelated to the other local disappearances, despite it obviously being related. Yeah. Everybody disappeared in the same few months. And again, like, we have a weird jump in time here, where the parents are back from their trip, and presumably, mm -hmm. I, I, like... Did, nobody knew that his caregiver had disappeared at, yeah. at any point. So did they come back and just not find her and be like, well, what's happening? What, have, have you been alone this whole time? Right. Like, oh, I guess we should find this missing girl. I also feel like the police should have gone, well, let's see. How can we connect all of these victims? Well, we have this kid's babysitter, mm -hmm. this kid's babysitter's boyfriend. This kid's bully, this kid's other bully, this kid's other bully's girlfriend. And his neighbor. And the yeah, lady neighbor. who reported him to us mm -hmm. for playing Tarzan games naked in the backyard. All those people disappeared. The police ask Jamie what happened, and he claims that Sandy left with her boyfriend. They ask him to describe this boyfriend, and he tells them about the second man he saw dropping off Sandy. He can't recall the exact color of his car, though. What color was this car? Yellow. That's something. Well, maybe yellow or green. Come on, son. You said you saw it. Yeah, it was yellow. Or green. Jamie is excused from questioning back to his bed, but on his way up the stairs, he's confronted by the ghost of Sandy, who tells him that he shouldn't lie. Here's another weird thing to throw into the story. Yeah. So now he has like a good conscience that talks to him <laughs> <laughs> to go with the bad conscience that is Teddy. The cops find Abigail's bike and connect her disappearance to the prank call that her aunt got a few days ago from a peeping Tom. We cut to a shot of Sandy's second boyfriend, Garth, in an interrogation room, and the police have found Christina's tutu and the Polaroid used to take the naked pictures of the librarian in his car. Next, they find the old woman's wheelchair. One of the cops sits down in Oliphant's wheelchair and accidentally drives it out of the scene. It's like a weirdly slapstick moment. Yeah. Because Jamie has no one else he can feed to the trollologs, he brings a rope to the pit 
to help them climb out on their own and eat whatever they like. I'm sorry, but I can't feed you anymore. So, you're gonna have to take care of yourselves. Which is what you were doing before I met you. Right. You existed for a long time. He has another vision of Sandy's ghost speaking to him from the pit. Jamie runs away from her ghost, and we watch the trollologs climb out of the pit. Back at home, Teddy tries to convince Jamie that the ghost isn't real, and he must be imagining things. <laughs> you're obviously crazy, Jamie. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. A ghost talked to you? Anyway, I'm a real-life teddy bear. But I'm scared when I see her like that. Did you try to pull her up? Yes. And almost fell in trying? Yes. Well? Despite the expert frame job that Jamie set up on Garth, the cops don't believe he did it. The older cop refuses to accept that anyone has died, instead insisting that they've all just disappeared for the sake of his own reputation. So he's like, let Garth go, even though we found a little girl's tutu mm -hmm. in his car and pictures of a naked woman whose niece went missing. Definitely unrelated to anything let him go because i don't want any murders on my record the next day we see people on a walk along a river and then suddenly we're watching them in the yellow tinted pov of a trollolog we cut to police at a crime scene and a pile of meat on the ground with flies what is this trollolog shit um or the remains of uh, someone else someone else that we didn't even see well because the people walking yeah no aren't we about to go back to them because aren't those the swimmers oh maybe i don't know well, because they do find another body. Yeah, they find a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> and like in rapid succession, it's like, I don't know who any of these people are. We didn't even introduce these victims. And they're not eating them, really. It just seems one like of the, Yeah, one of them has just got a little bit of blood on her. Yeah, and then the other one is literally just a pile of ribs. <laughs> well, they were full, but they wanted a little bit of dessert. I guess, yeah. Dripping with sauce. <laughs> What's the book about? <laughs> eating babies. The police officer calls in his discovery to the sergeant. Sergeant? Yes, Bentley? I've got another missing person. Well, this time he's not missing, he's dead. Okay, then don't, don't, <laughs> call, don't it call it a missing, it a missing person. person. <laughs> it's a found person. Replace all the signs you've put up so yeah, far. Yeah, a found homicide. <laughs> <laughs> now we cut to a couple swimming in a lake, and the girl tries to convince the guy to do some skinny dipping. Want to go skinny dipping? I'm tired. <laughs> said, said no guy ever yeah is this <laughs> her brother or something <laughs> and then he he proceeds to lay down on his chest slaps the radio full blast full blast right <laughs> next to his head yeah i don't I wanna... just love this song i don't want to hear my girlfriend droning on and on about how naked she is <laughs> <laughs> the director was only allowed to shoot the nudity in this scene himself because he cast his own daughter as the female swimmer yay so that so sorry so her mother said yeah go yeah, for it go her for mom it. said yeah whip your tits out in dad's movie but not me dad better not look at anyone's boobs except for mine and my daughter's <laughs> what the fuck the police respond to the call of a man who claims to have seen the trollologs himself in his cornfield where he found this body that's not even... Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even start eating these. I prepared this jogger for you, and you trollologs took one bite and went to bed. They're like our children. Exactly. <laughs> he presumes they're apes or something that escaped from the local zoo. They look like, well, deformed people. Small, hairy. Listen, what about a zoo? Is there a zoo around here I haven't heard about? They've got these orange uran things that... The skinny dipper is attacked and eaten by the trollologs while she's naked on the side of the beach for no reason. <laughs> like, her boyfriend's not even around when she starts to take yeah. her clothes off. Like, now I'm going to get naked. Uh, and her boyfriend stands because he can hear her screaming over the really loud music somehow. He finds a trollolog out in the open just carrying her dead body over its shoulder. And then he tries to call to her, but she doesn't react because she's probably dead. Yeah, so now the trollologs seem very large. Yeah, suddenly they're the size of a person. Yeah, where before they seemed like they were like maybe like twice the size of a crite. Yeah. You know? Like a crite? Yeah. What? A crite. You're not allowed to say that word. Is that the empirical system? <laughs> <laughs> crite is the creatures from critters. Oh, okay. 
But there are krites that are twice as big as a krite, though. That's confusing. Yeah. Well, the krites all join together to form one giant krite. Well, I don't mean or... that krite. I mean the there's taller krites too. You know, like there's Jesus krite. Jesus krite. They say. <laughs> but when they're climbing out of the hole, they look like uh, Ewoks, basically mm-hmm. from behind. It's the only way I've ever seen it. <laughs> what are you doing looking at the behind Ewoks there? Turn around, Ewoks. I don't want to. You see know how this works. <laughs> I don't want to see your weird blinky eyes, special edition Ewoks. <laughs> Do they blink in the special yeah, edition? Yeah, no because thanks. apparently that's what bothered people was that the Ewoks don't blink. Oh, are they keeping their eyes moist? <laughs> so now they blink, and it's really freaking me out. I'd rather have them all turn around. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see their sweet Ewok asses. <laughs> the camera pans slowly across a series of carcasses, several victims of the trollologs, and ends on a human still being eaten. The police convene in a nearby road and put together a plan to hunt out the suspected animals. And he gives the best advice you could ever give. To Don't a- wait to ask yeah, questions. Just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Don't wait to ask questions or try to figure out what to do. Shoot the damn things. Let's go. The police form a line and basically shepherd all the trollologs back into their hole. And when they find them in the pit, it's got every single trollolog accounted for in mm-hmm. there. And they open fire from all directions. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's just like literally fish in a barrel. Shoot them! <laughs> It's a weirdly anticlimactic end for these creatures that they're literally just like, all right, we found them on our first try and right. we killed all of them in one go. The men all agree to say they were dogs in the pit, which they shot and are now burying with a bulldozer. I can't tell if they actually thought they were dogs or if that's just the excuse they're going with so people yeah. don't it feel- dig them up. Yeah, it feels like they just didn't want to deal with it. Right. So I don't know that they think they're dogs. Yeah. Sometime later, we see Jamie driven up to a new house. He runs to give a hug to his grandmother, and uh, his grandfather points in the direction of a neighbor girl named Alicia. See that little girl there? Yeah. Well, that's Alicia. She can be your playmate. Evidently, the two children are distantly related somehow. Step-cousins, I think she says. Yeah, uh, and I guess she's either visiting or also living there. Oh, yeah. Because she's just there. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're in a neighborhood. They're out in the middle of a cornfield. Right. Like, so if she just walked there, it would be really weird. That would be weird. Jamie peeks into the bag that he's carrying to tell Teddy to wait for him. (laughs) It's almost like they just didn't have the Teddy prop this day. Yeah. They were like, just talk into this bag and people will understand that Teddy's in there. Because otherwise he would just say it to the teddy bear, right? And set it down. Well, anything can be Teddy if it's not real. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He turns and runs off to chase the girl into the wilderness, and she leads him to another pit just like the first one. It's probably actually the same pit, shot from a different angle. He tells her it's a trollolog pit, but she seems well aware. They're trollologs. They eat people. Yes, I know. While he looks into the second pit, the girl sneaks around behind him and shoves him in. And we get a freeze frame just as he's going over the edge, and the credits roll. But yeah, that's uh, that's the pit. It certainly was. <laughs> it's an odd duck. It feels super Canadian. <laughs> and yet, it's not really a Canadian oh, movie. Wisconsin's almost Canada. That's true. It's pretty far up there. I like the kid. I think the kid plays the part perfectly. What's his name? Sammy Snyders. He doesn't have a lot of credits, but he feels very fit to the role. Well... This feels like a case to me where this kid's not acting. Like he Maybe. Just, he yeah. just is weird. <laughs> yeah. But he, he does an excellent job. And I actually really like Jeannie Elias, too, that, that plays the babysitter character. Yeah. I just... There's just a lot of questions. Yeah. There's just so many questions. I mean, and it's okay to have questions at the end of a horror film. But, like... Logic questions. The logic questions of the trollologues are real... Teddy might be real, but the ghost for sure isn't real. Isn't. And what does the cousin know about any of this? Yeah. She knows about trollologs because it's not a, it's not an extinct species like we were led to believe by the previous scene. But is there a chance that Teddy's real because it's speaking in his voice? I, I don't know how else to explain that it moves. 
Unless it just moves. Maybe it's just a, t- a toy teddy bear that moves. I, I thought for sure one of the trawl logs was going to be. Yeah, I I can't the believe they didn't go for that ending where the where the head just falls off of it and it turns out it's a trawl log in disguise the whole time that talked him into feeding the rest of them. That would make more sense. Because at least then it would be like they collaborated and understood right. what they were getting him to mm-hmm. do. And it would also be like, uh, here's how we lead to the next batch of trollologs is that one of them survived and it laid a bunch of eggs or some shit i don't know <laughs> eggs? i guess that's a overused <laughs> horror film ending where it's like oh no eggs it's okay there's nothing here to fertilize them you just hold up a flashlight on these trollolog eggs yep this one's good <laughs> candle the gotta candle the trollolog candle eggs, the trollolog eggs. <laughs> need a huge fucking candle for these eggs the it's called teddy in some markets which i think actually fits better than, uh, kind of the pit. yes um because the pit isn't what's scary <laughs> and the pit isn't what's killing everything in the third act but teddy isn't scary either is he no that's true point taken she called it trog wait that was taken though <laughs> call it trollolog and then people nobody would see it literally no one yeah trollolog because because like how far is troll away from this Troll had to be like 84. Something like that. With Harry Potter Jr.? Yeah. 80, 86. 86. That's a ways off. Yeah, call and it tr- Troll. Yeah, and Troll is way better than this movie. Yeah, or Trolls. But if you called it Trogs, people would think it was a sequel to Trog. Yeah. Might as well be. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you don't want Fair people enough. to... You want people to come out to the movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to drive them away by making them think this is a weird Joan Crawford sequel. Anyway, thumbs up? No. No? No. Thumbs down. Definitely down. Thumbs up. It, it's not to say that I wouldn't watch this film again. I, I'll show this to people for sure. Because it, it's so bizarre that it's it's there's something to, to at least watch. Yeah, and it's really disturbing, but the babysitter <laughs> is also super hot, and like everything she does is super <laughs> hot, so... That's a problem. The most disturbing part of the movie that genuinely gave me chills is her dangling and panicking and screaming, freaking out for yeah. help. Like I was like, okay, this is actually genuinely creeping me, freaking me out. Because I it's... thought for sure he's going to get her out of this hole. I really didn't think she was going to die there. <laughs> yeah, that was unexpected. Um, letterboxed. What are we thinking, Richard? Uh, I have it in ninety sixth place. And I don't know why I decided to give it a rank no, that good. way. Do I, like I do I say that usually? I don't. Yeah. Remember, I can't remember how many episodes have we done. I can't remember what I say usually. <laughs> uh, so that puts it below Dead and Buried, but above Rich and Famous. All right, and and. <laughs> uh, I have it at one twenty one out of one forty eight. It is below Deadly Blessing, but above all the marbles. All right. Um, I have it kind of in between you guys. I have it at 110, which is just under Enter the Ninja and just above Full Moon High. The director here was Lou Lehman. He's one of the writers of Phobia from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also his only directing credit. I don't know why. Uh, no, I know why. This might be kind of dumb, but it's really fun. I actually wish he did more. The writer was Ian A. Stewart just this obviously sammy snyder's played jamie benjamin he was previously joey in tomorrow never comes and martin on canadian series the littlest hobo he was 14 playing 12 in this film and he spent his off hours disco dancing in a bar in beaver dam wisconsin i would pay to see that Jeannie elias played sandy o'reilly She was brought in early in the project to replace another actress that was originally cast. She has mostly voice acting credits on shows like Heathcliff, the OG My Little Pony, the animated Teen Wolf series, Dennis the Menace. She voiced Princess Toadstool, Shy Guy, and Birdo on the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. She was Pugsley on the animated Addams Family. She was Huey Duck on the Quack Pack, Beth Oblong on the Oblongs, Sharon Stone on Kid Notorious, tut on tuttenstein and most recently she is sister sasha on justin roiland's solar opposites sandy kovac played officer bentley 
He's Bernie in Improper Channels. Bill Taylor played the farmer who found the girl in his corn and thought maybe they were oranganats. <laughs> Orangatangs. Or- Orangatangs? Is that what he says? Orangatangs? Uh, something along those lines. He played Spider Rider in Beverly Hills Cop 3, which does that mean is is Spider <laughs> the name of a roller coaster well, for yeah, the theme park? That's the only thing I could think of okay. is that it's the, the, the theme park. With the George Lucas. George scene. Lucas yeah. cameo, yeah. Um, he's also a GI in Time Out, which is Landis' segment of the Twilight Zone film. Those are all the credits I have for this one because not a lot of people worked on anything besides this movie. Um, so I think that's everything for The Pit. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd. Or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord. You can join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. What's that sound? We got one! That's right, it's a new patron, Ray Boucher. As a patron of the show, Ray now has access to 39 full-size 70s reviews and 40 minisodes from 1980 and a hand in choosing next month's film. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Silence of the North, which IMDb describes like so. Based on the biography of Olive Fredrickson, it tells of her life as a girl, then a trapper's wife, and later a widow with three small children surviving under rugged pioneer conditions in northern Alberta, Canada from the early 1900s through the Depression. That sounds like a good picker-upper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real cheerful movie. Looking forward to it. Good follow-up to the pit. We leave you now with a trailer for Silence of the North. They went in search of his dream and found courage. No, don't go after him! He's got the gun! Most of all, they found life. I ain't giving up, Olive. I'm not giving up either. Comes a time when your day is Comes a time when you settle down. From the story of one woman's incredible struggle. It really wasn't that bad, was it? Walter Reamer, we damn near died. Comes a spirit. It's my place to protect my children. I won't go comes a love. There are no women there. I ain't planning on leaving you here. As endless as the silence of the north. Hi. Hello. I'm Donna. And I'm Stephanie. And we are the hosts and creators of Explain It Me, a comedy show where one of us tells the entire plot of a confusing-ass movie to the other one. And the only other rule is that we have to be inebriated to get through it. So come along on this journey and laugh at us as we make a whole bunch of mistakes as well as slowly destroy our bodies. Find us on any and all platforms where you listen to your podcasts. And remember, I definitely got that actor's name wrong because I'm drunk, not because I don't know. 